Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 32. This week, Brian and I are talking about the songs of ascent found in the Psalms. Psalm 120 through 134 are called Songs of Ascent, and were believed to have been sung by those journeying to Jerusalem to worship, so for a festival or just to bring their sacrifice. So as they're walking up to Jerusalem, they might be singing these songs. Brian and I talk about the purposes, meanings, and images that are conveyed in these songs and what they can speak to us as the church today. They weren't just for them. Uh, I think there's some great meaning for us today in the church. Just a quick reminder, though, before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And if you're enjoying the video version of the podcast on YouTube, please don't forget to smash that subscribe button. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at the Songs of Ascent. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Brian. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm magical. As my response, as <laughs> I started had, this, I was... You had a huge trip yesterday, so you're probably a little uh, worn out now. I'm a little jet lagged. Uh, yeah. Yes, we yeah. had a, a morning out to Boston, and then we flew back in the same day. And so... I mean, Boston's hard enough to fly to if you're going to stay for a few days, but to do that in one day is a little insane. It was... Wasn't my choice, but, but did I did. You, I did have a very delicious. Now I'm not in Philly, but a Philly cheesesteak sandwich sub, mm. and it was amazing. Sounds good. It was amazing. Sounds good. So yeah, we did that. Shot some video. You know, flew back. But you're doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, very busy. Trying to get ready. Going to try to take a little bit of time off. It's been a while since I've had some time off. So trying to uh, sleep get when ready you're dead. this week for that. What's that? I said you sleep when you're dead, right? <laughs> hey, uh, I, think, no, I think we need. We all sleep when we're dead. I think we need a more balanced life. And I, I so. agree. It's a joke. It's okay. a joke. And we haven't had food before we started this, but you do have your. No, we haven't. Room. No. Now, what'd you have for so, lunch? What's I have for lunch? Uh, we went to Chewy's Southwest. I, I like Chewy's. I like Tex Mex. It was very. Do they good, still but, make the tortillas fresh there? The t- tortilla chips and all that kind of I stuff. I don't know. COVID's not? ruined everything, so yeah, well, I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. what are we going to talk about I had, today? I had here Mexican too, by the way, but I went to the local La Herradura. So, how do you say that again? Herradura. <laughs> how do you say it? La Herradura. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I need to see it spelled in front of me. I don't know. I don't even know. Herradura what, I don't even know what is you're... the. It's the um, Spanish word for horseshoe. Interesting. So, enough. did you have a Spanish horseshoe? I like, did not have a Spanish horseshoe. So, what did, what did you have then? I had fajitas. You say everything with a little fajitas. <laughs> a little bit of accent all right (laughs) welcome to the bistro (laughs) yes well we've had at least a conversation about food uh, because this is the bistro and that's what we do here that's what we do brian yes so brian tell me a little bit about what we're going to chat today we're remote today because we've both been pretty busy so yeah i thought yeah so tell me a little bit about you know i'm not flying back and forth to boston but uh i thought we would talk about something that uh i'm actually preaching through right now, I'm preaching through this series of 15 psalms that is kind of a subset of our book of psalms uh, that we call the Songs of Ascents, or is called, I should say, it's not that we call it, it's called the Songs of Ascents, the idea of kind of going up, ascending is is the idea. And they're in the so. psalms. They are in the psalms. Yeah. So the, 
in the Psalms are the songs yeah. of ascents. It's Psalm 120 ascent. to Psalm 134. It's 15 Psalms that are kind of uh, toward the end of our collection of Psalms that we have in our scriptures. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they seem to be connected together. And here, here's the reason. Let me talk a little bit about Psalms in general. We've, we've talked a little bit about Hebrew poetry in the past, I know, on here. And I, I'll tell you, and we've talked about Bible translations a few weeks back. One of the interesting things to me about um, the Psalms is that the superscriptions, uh, that is those things that occur before the beginning of the first verses of our of our Psalms, those superscriptions uh-huh. occur in the Hebrew. Psalms is different in this than, than in most of our other parts of our Bible, and really all of our other parts of the Bible. You, you know, if you look at your, if you look at your, what you, what did you say you have the NIV today? Is that what you're using? I have what, the NIV in front of me. Today. You have the yeah. NIV there. So if you look before most chapters, like chapter two of the book of Philippians or, you know, first Corinthians chapter 15 or whatever, a lot of times over each chapter, and sometimes even in the middle of a chapter, if it, if it kind of changes subject in the middle of a chapter, you'll have a heading. And those headings are actually added by the editors of the of the um, uh, edition. And, and this is kind of gets very funny because we have to be specific with our words here. The version, when we talk about a version, that means the translation. Okay, so the NIV, right. New International Version, that's what that stands for. Uh, but when you right. talk about an, an edition, you can have several different published editions of the NIV. Uh, so, for right. example, you've seen you know the NIV Study Bible as an example, or the right. Devotional Study Bible, or whatever. Those are different editions that we have, different publications we could say of that same version. And and in your edition, those headings in most most places in in the Bible are added by the editors. In other words, modern editors are just kind of telling you here's what. And it's a helpful, it's a guide, like in chapter 15, this is about the resurrection, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Trying but to give the, you some markers to kind of know, hey, here's ex- what's coming ahead, maybe a little exactly. bit. Exactly. But in the book of Psalms, most of the Psalms, not all of them, but most of them have what we call a superscription that is in the original Hebrew text. And these 15 Psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, have uh, the same superscription that say a song of ascents. Now, some of them have additional superscriptions as well. Uh, and let me just tell you just briefly, since we're on that subject, some of the things you read about in the Psalms or in the superscriptions of the Psalms, uh, they can be descriptive, kind of tell us what it's about, or they can also sometimes talk about how they should be played. Uh, there's this whole series. I don't know if I can remember where this is off the top of my head or not. Uh, Psalm 85, I think. Uh, I'm just going to look off the top of my head and see if that's it. Do you have Psalm 85 there? I oh, am dangerously. Right. Oh, it's uh, not I'm, right. I'm wrong. No, it just says for the director of music uh, yeah. of the sons of Korah Assam. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not thinking about the right place. But there's there's some places where it tells us what tune you should use, for example. Uh when oh, here we go. Psalm Psalm eighty. From what the uh for the director of music to the tune of the Lilies of the Covenant. Okay, so the Lilies of the Covenant is one of the tunes. There's there are three um uh, three different psalms in a row. That, that are all written, and that's the other thing I was going to say, they can talk about the author. Some of these psalms are of David, psalms of David, uh, for example, or uh, you, you see some of them that are written by uh, Solomon. David didn't write all the psalms, but some of them are attributed to him. And then also the superscription can give us some information about the historical situation. So sometimes you'll see a psalm that will say something like, of David, when when uh, Saul, King Saul was trying to... Um, uh, you know, 
chase him or capture him or this this kind of thing. So you'll see something about the historical situation. So all those superscriptions are there. Mm-hmm. For these, these all fifteen have a, have the, the superscription songs of ascents. So what that makes us think is that these were used at some point when people were going up. And what many people believe is this is what pilgrims would sing on their way up to the to the Jewish festivals that occurred three different times every year. Um, mm-hmm. Three times a year, the great feast, the Jewish people would go from all over the ancient world, from Galilee, from uh, uh, northern Africa, from all of these different places, and they would gather in Jerusalem at these times of the year for the for the feasts. And so, um, so that's that's what some people think that these songs were sung along the road. And I love I love that image. Um, now others and, and others, Jerusalem is is high. Yeah. Oh yeah, I should mention that. Yeah, Jerusalem is on Mount Zion, which is one of the highest points in this entire part of the world. So you you see this in the Bible. It's one of those things we kind of pass over, where it says um, uh, there was a certain person going up to Jerusalem, for example, uh, in the in the idea of the. Um, Good Samaritan in that story, going from Je- uh, up from Jericho to Jerusalem. When they're saying that, they're literally talking about uh, geographically. You're walking uphill uh, yeah. to get to nearly every every place in uh, from from nearly any place to Jerusalem. You're going uphill, and so we think that these were sung by the pilgrims as they ascended. Now, the other possibility, I'm just going to give this. Some people think that there's a there's some stairs that would have been in the ancient temple where the Levites would go up. And some people think that these were sung by the Levites uh, as they ascended these stairs. But I tell you why I think that's not the case. Uh, there's a couple of these Psalms of Ascents, and again, it's Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 that seem to mention this idea of a, of a journey or a trip uh, on their own. Look at uh, Psalm 121, for example. Okay. Uh, Psalm 121, verse 3. Do you want to read that? Yeah. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So do you see that idea of your foot slipping? It's almost like you can imagine a hike, you know, and, and going up mm-hmm. on this journey up to Jerusalem. Uh, the other place would be uh, Psalm 122, the very first couple of verses there. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. So you see that idea of going up to the house of the Lord and, you know, here we are standing in your gates, whether that's something you'd sing while you were arriving or, <laughs> you know, I've, I've kind of thought about it too. It's almost like the, um, uh, you know, are we there yet? You know, like, like I'm imagining being in the gates of the temple uh, as I'm going up there, getting ready to, to go into worship. I should mention, is, uh, go, go is, ahead. Is this like, is, you know, so I went to Jerusalem on a tour bus yeah, yeah. and they played a song when you enter Jerusalem really loud inside it, the it, bus. it could be. And it, 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 it wasn't one of these, but it was it a wasn't, pretty okay, funny. It was something different. No, okay. it was something different, but it was really loud and obnoxious. I will give it that. <laughs> but every time you drove into Jerusalem, yeah. they're playing this song on the bus. Well, I tell you why I like this image. And, and, I'll, and in full disclosure, I'm preaching a series through this right now. This is kind of why this was on my mind. And we were trying to think about what we wanted to talk about. And I thought, let's talk about these. Um, I love this image, though, if you think about all of these different worshipers, kind of as they gather together on the road, as they begin to go up toward Jerusalem, all of them singing the song together and kind of, you know, people maybe you haven't seen for a few weeks or a few months and maybe even strangers, but you're all going to the same place together for the same purpose of worshiping God in these special times of year and having these songs that you sing together. It's it's kind of like when we gather for worship, but but in a in a much more 
uh, adventurous and and kind of uh, exciting way. I think I kind of imagine everybody kind of joining together and them singing as they go. Um, you know, kind of like a musical, like we've talked about before. That kind yeah. Of thing, well, so. it's and you know, and it's it's preparing their hearts for the temple. Right. You know, if they're if they're on their way there, it's it's a kind Absolutely. of a call to worship, if you will. You know, Absolutely. reminding themselves about who God is and what He's done. Yeah. One other, uh, and this is just kind of a, a side note. One other interesting thing is that uh, there's this scroll. We've talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls before, and one of the Dead mm-hmm. Sea Scrolls is called the Great Psalm Scroll. Uh, it was found in the 11th cave, so it's numbers 11Q5, and it's called the Great Psalm Scroll. And it only has um, 50 psalms in it, and only 40 of them are the same as what we have in the Book of Psalms. So in other words, these 10, there's these 10 other psalms that are different than what we have in, our, in, in what we call the Book of Psalms. But they have the same fi- group of 15 that are in the same order. So the only point I'm oh, making there is, yeah. yeah, so clearly these, these were collected together at a relatively early time and used together in some kind of a, a worship way. You know, we would use the term, you know, liturgical or, uh, you know, they were used in this, in this kind of wor- setting of worship, as you've mentioned. So, so you yeah. talked about, and, and preparing- it's, Im- it, yeah, and important to them, very important to them, not just yeah. collected, but like important preserved right. in a very particular order in a certain way. Right. In this particular, yeah, this particular order. You talked about preparing your hearts for worship. And I was, I was thinking that when we were talking about doing this, uh, Ryan, we, we've mentioned before that you were your, your degree from uh, the school where we were together was uh, was uh, worship ministry, and so mm-hmm. there's this idea of you know what 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 do you think about in terms of these psalms and kind of the idea of worship and and um, do you have any any thoughts on that or do you want to wait? Yeah, to talk I, about you that know later? I think it's you know just as I mentioned like it's this call to worship like it's a reminder of who God is you know and that right. the worship is to draw our to draw near to him right. and to draw our attention to him. And I think, you know, as you as you look at this, again, I and I think we've talked about this when we talked about some of the John things, like Jesus is walking and pointing things right. out on the temple. Like there's this there's something about this this physical action that's happening, right. this reminder of who God is, and that's preparing you um for their worship. You know, this yeah. is this, this constant reminder of as I'm on this road and for us you know, post Jesus. I mean, Jesus right. is still real, but his life on earth, <laughs> um, that didn't come out right. Um, right. But, the, you know, remind ourselves of who God is and that this is, you know, that he is with us through through life as we sure. prepare to, to, to draw near to him. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm doing in the sermon series is I'm kind of paralleling our lives as a journey. And and I like that, that idea of drawing near to God. You said, you know, that's kind of the, one of the words that's used for worship in the Old Testament. One of the images is drawing near to him. Um you know, so I, I think you know in the in the prophets where it says you draw close to me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. In other words, you know your worship is just lip service, so to speak. And uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, where this idea we have confidence now to 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 enter into the most holy place. In other words, the closer you come to God, the more uh, the more you are aware of His holiness, and and um, you know it, it's a, it's kind of an idea of relationship. I really I, and. So these Psalms of Ascent, I think about that in in, in this way as well. Oh, very cool. Very so cool. I thought we might, because we talked about Hebrew poetry, I mentioned this, I thought we might look at, and Hebrew poetry is very heavy on metaphor and image. I thought we might look at some of the images. Just I, I'm not going to look at all 15 of these Psalms. That would you know probably be too long <laughs> this of is, a This thing. is our longest one yet. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. 15, a 15-part 15 series on. Oh uh, boy, yes, here we go. <laughs> 
But I thought we might look at some of these uh, along the way and just uh, kind of get an idea. So I'm going to do these kind of in order, though, if you're if you're following along or if you're listening. So Psalm 120 uh, is the first one. Look at verses 5 uh, through 7. And, and kind of the theme here of this first one, and again, if you imagine this as God's people traveling from their homes as they've been scattered throughout the ancient world, it kind of begins with this idea of being in a foreign place, of being in a place where people are around me who have a different um, a different set of values and a different set of beliefs than what I have. So, so here's here's um, I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, "Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war." So. So you see what I'm saying? It's that kind of an idea of I'm I'm leaving this place where people are 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 you know ha- have different values. They're for war. I'm for peace. Uh, they they are these. The, I'm living among this foreign people, and so I'm going now to gather with my people. So it kind of begins with that that kind of an image. Uh, I think that's kind of a cool cool thing. It reminds yeah. me. What, what does that make you think about in terms of our context? Where about our our lives today? About moving from a place of where people hate peace into a place of peace. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I'm even thinking about, you know, the idea that, how do I say this? One of the things of gathering with our brothers and sisters in Christ is that it is a place where we can speak about things of, of we should be able to speak about things of meaning right? because we share a foundation, we share values we share you know uh, what's central and and most important to our lives so yeah absolutely like mm-hmm. well look at psalm 121 then just the, the the first couple of these this is a pretty famous psalm and and it maybe has been used in some different songs you want to read those two verses yeah. for me uh i lift my eyes up to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth so this idea of lifting your eyes up to the mountains, there's two different ways this could be possibly understood. Uh, you know, of course, we think about mountains, and and later on in this series, the psalmist is going to talk about uh, the as the mountains surround Jerusalem. So not only do you have Mount Zion, but you have these mountains that surround it. And often you think of that in terms of protection. Mm-hmm. And so some people think of it in this way. Now, the other, one, uh, other way to understand this is some older translations are going to translate that word for mountain as hill. And so I lift my eyes up to the hills, and uh, so so others would would say that the image here really is talking about what we call the high places. Do you remember yeah. what what that is in the Old Testament? Um, the high places, like the, al- the altars, the, the, these altars, altars to false gods. Mm-hmm. And so if if we understand it in that way, uh, and and I I I think I used to think the former, and I'm starting to move more toward it being this, but. You know, I'm not utterly convinced, but um, if that's the case, then what the psalmist here is contrasting, you know, I look up at, at these high places where other people place their hope. In other words, mm-hmm. these these idols, these false gods, but my help comes from the Lord, and that's the covenant name, Yahweh, we, we say sometimes. My help comes from Yahweh, who is the maker of heaven and earth. A lot of times you have this in the Old Testament, you have this... Um, contrast between the Lord who is the creator and these false gods who are created things. And so it could be... That's Elijah right there. 
Yeah, Elijah's an example, or Isaiah does the same thing, where he talks right. about you know the difference between the creator and created things. And of course, Paul does the same thing in Romans chapter one, uh, where uh, you know they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and began to sh- to worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who's to be forever praised. Is what Paul says in Romans one. Yeah. So look at Psalm one twenty two. This one, as again, as a worship major, would be an important one to you. First thing I want you to notice though is the superscription here. So it says a song of ascents, and then and then it says also that this is of David. In other words, David is the one who wrote uh, this particular psalm. Mm-hmm. And this one is about, it begins anyway, about this idea of worship. Uh, now, I had you read this earlier where it talks to, to me, or where it talks about our feet are standing in Jerusalem. But notice verse 1, it says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And And kind of what that makes me think about is the excitement that David here is talking about when he, when when you you go up to the place of worship. Now in David's time of course it wasn't the temple, it would have been the tabernacle, but this idea of when we go when we gather together in the house of the Lord, I rejoiced when people said to me let's go there. And and I like again this idea if if these psalms of ascent are people who are pilgrims leaving their homes, their kind of mundane day-to-day lives and are going for the special time of worship, we hear and we we um, uh, we sense the excitement that they have regarding that. And for me, this makes me kind of question how excited am I when I think about going to corporate worship? You right. know, how do I get that uh, excited to think about? I get to gather and I get to worship, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of makes me think about that. When I when I preached the sermon on this, the other thing that kind of convicted me is I've heard testimonies and stories throughout the years about people who live in places where it's difficult to gather for corporate worship, either because of oppression or because of even the fear of, of death. And uh, you think about the way that we gather openly, that mm-hmm. we sometimes take for granted, but um, you know how much would some people wish to be able to worship in that, in that way? Yeah, that, uh, that reminds me of a video I saw several years ago Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know where it was, but it was a box of Bibles being opened up oh, uh, somewhere yeah. in Asia, yeah. and yeah. I just like people just swarmed yeah. it, you know, and right. they were so excited to hold the Bible in their hands, in their language, you know, right. and ju- yeah. in their language, yeah. and like, how many do we have sitting on our shelves? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they you don't know, use you say much... that, you, yeah. Go ahead. You talk about that sometimes, and we talk about embarrassment of riches that we have available to us, but it creates this complacency. And I, you know, I think it's for the word of God, but also like how excited are we when we get together to corporately worship and um, how are we preparing ourselves for that? Yeah, we can take it for, it becomes very easy for us to take it for granted, I think. So, absolutely. Uh, Here's another one. This is Psalm 126. Or no, I'm sorry, Psalm 120. Hold on. Yeah, 120, Psalm 126. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's exactly the right one. <laughs> of course it is. Now, I want to look at this whole psalm, uh, and this is one I haven't preached on yet, but I'm getting ready to. And here's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about us talking about this, is you and I both can have, how do I want to say this, an Eeyore kind of uh, perspective on life sometimes, right? That is an accurate portrayal, Yes. <laughs> We go back this, and forth. I'll have it, and then you'll have it. <laughs> that's that's true. You're always trying to get me excited. I probably am worse about that than you are. 
But Psalm 126, I, I really love the theme of this, and it really kind of speaks to that idea of, of thinking about what God has done on our behalf. So I want to look at this in two halves. Read the first three verses for me there, if you would, uh, yeah. Ryan. Uh, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. So what what leaps out at you when you look at that at that for those first three verses? What do you just notice there? Uh, I mean restoration. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know that this the the joy of being filled. Yeah, absolutely. Like that that filled, word is that, the word joy there. is several times there. Yeah. You always look for those repeated words, but but the thing the restoration that that makes some people think this was probably now this one doesn't give us any historical context in the superscription. But some people think that this may have been written at a time after um, God's people had been in exile, and now they've returned from exile. And so they're kind of remembering, you know, when God restored our fortunes to us. Of course, this happened to Israel several different times, but so it could— <laughs> yeah, it, it could have been just one time. Right. I mean, if you think about, you know, after Egypt, but most people would understand this probably after the kind of the Babylonian captivity— and they come back and they see this idea of the Lord restoring the fortunes of Zion. Of course, Mount Zion, we've mentioned this often, is used to stand for the place of God's people. But then that next line is the one that just captures my imagination. He says, we were like those who dreamed. And and it's kind of that idea of having an anticipation. You know, when we have a dream, we talk about this, having a, having a dream, um, uh, you know, it's 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 this idea of having an anticipation of what's going to happen in the future, what God is going to accomplish in our midst, and so it's like it's almost like, and and it it goes on the rest of this. It says, you know, the the nations look at us and say, wow, look at these great things that the Lord, that Yahweh has done for them, and and then the psalmist kind of repeats that, yeah, Yahweh has done great things for us. It's kind of that idea of look at what God has done for us, and let's imagine what He could do for us in the future. Let's let's imagine what. You know what his kingdom is going to be like, what it's going to be like uh, as we see his, um, uh, you know, his his work move forward, uh, the things that he wants for his people to do, things that he good that he wants for his people. So it's that idea of we we were like those who dreamed. I think is for me sometimes an antidote to to my normal kind of way of thinking. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought of this, but I was thinking about I've seen this uh, uh, image on the. Uh, internet about someone about stars and it says you know remember the light from stars is is uh so old that when you wish upon a star that star is already cold and dead just like your dreams <laughs> so i love that that <laughs> that tends to be my perspective but that's not the perspective of this psalmist who's saying Let's remember what God has done on our behalf. Is that like one of those posters they make? You know, they used to make those like inspirational. <laughs> right. Ins- yeah, de-inspirational posters. De-inspirational posters. So uh. let's look at then the last three verses, and I'll read this. I'm going to just look at this first one, uh, verse four to begin with. Restore our fortunes, Lord. So so remember the first half of it was kind of saying, remember when God restored our fortunes? In other words, look at the past and think about the things that he's done and and how we were people who dreamed. And then he says, restore our fortunes, Lord. And here's one of those cultural things that I, I want to make sure you get. It says, like streams in the Negev. Now, Negev is a, is a Hebrew word. In fact, some of your translations may go ahead and translate this from Hebrew for you. Negev is used as, in, in reference to an area. What it literally means is the south. 
Okay. And, and if you think about the south of Israel, we're talking about that land. Again, if you think about the ascent, if you think about Jerusalem being on this high Mount Zion, as you go down to the south, you go down to the lowest place on the continental face of the earth, which is the Dead Sea. Right. Uh, this rift valley where where Africa is is kind of being ripped apart from from Asia here, you know, and you've got the Dead Sea that lays in the middle of it, literally the lowest point on the on the continents. Uh, there, you know, it's it's below sea level itself. There's no place lower on the continents than than where it is, and uh, and so this idea of the Negev, though, as you go down there, the temperature typically increases. Yes. You talk about the the tour bus. I don't know if you remember this or not, but. You go down. I can remember our tour bus coming up from the Negev, coming up from the Dead Sea. It was chugging. It's kind of like, you know, it can only go about 20 miles an hour, and it's it's kind of going up the mountains there. So imagine if you're a pilgrim coming up that way. But but here's the other thing: is that area you you guys have probably all seen pictures of of the um, uh, of the Dead Sea area, very arid, very dry. Um, It's it's a very um, desert kind of place, uh, much more than the rest of, of, of Israel, Galilee, that, that area. And, and yet there are places where there are these streams. And the interesting thing is you can see them kind of miles away because you've got this really dry desert region. And then you'll see suddenly all this greenery, all these trees and these plants. Um, you know, one of those places is, uh, in Getty or Ein Gedi, uh, that we visited traditional place where uh, Saul, uh, where David was hiding in a cave when Saul came and and cut, he cut almost caught him, yeah. right? Cut off a corner of his cloak. Um, but that place is just is 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 full of um, not only uh, um, plants, but it's also full of wildlife. It's kind of a zoo that they've made there now, where you can walk through and see all these different kinds of animals. And, and so here's the image: restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. So that's like streams in the desert, right? Like these these places where of fertility, even in the midst of dryness. And then he gives these kind of contra, con, contrasting images. Verse five says, "Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them." And so it's that kind of an idea of um, you know the contrast between. Uh, joy and sorrow here. This idea that we go out with um, with um, sorrow, but we come back with joy. It's kind of a revelation piece yeah. there. With revelation twenty. You know, like there are no more crying, no more tears. Like in the right. New Jerusalem, like it's this. Um, and because we've talked about Revelation a little bit about that that turning right. from the restoration piece of it, right. So Psalms 127 and 128, I'm going to kind of look at together, and most mostly these are about kind of family life, but the psalmists are using them. Now, Psalm 127 is about Solomon, or, or I should say by Solomon, and both of them are about family, but then they're comparing them to this idea of what it means to be in the house of the Lord. So thinking about your family as a house, but then also mm-hmm. thinking about the house of the Lord. So Psalm 127 says, "Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain." And I'm sure you've heard you've heard that phrase before. I'm sure, Ryan. Yep. And and Solomon, of course, is the one who was king when the temple was built. He's the one who took up the offering from the people and oversaw the building of the temple after his father David. 
And, and then it goes on in the last part of this and talks about children being a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And then same kind of thing in, in Psalm 128. It begins with this idea, uh, blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. And so there's that idea of kind of blessing having to do with the idea of family life and uh, you know the the blessing of children and, and what, what that brings. And so both of those kind of see uh, this kind of uh, connection. The very last verse of uh, Psalm 128, may, your, may you live to see your children's children. You know, in other words, may you live a long, good long life and be able to experience your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ends with peace be on Israel, which some of these Psalms I should mention talk about praying for Jerusalem peace for Israel, thinking again about those who are coming from a distance, uh, maybe other nations even, and and hoping for God to restore the fortunes of this place. So, so let me ask you this, you yeah. know, as I'm kind of reading this, like, how are they, you know, if we think that they might be reciting these, are they uh-huh. like, is this like a prayer to God, like, bless us? Or is this like trying to say, like, we believe this is what God will give to us, like the, yeah, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. Like, how do you... How are they reading this, and like, what's the context that I think? I think, I think where their mind in a, is in a, with this. Yeah, I think both in a way. I do think they are crying out to God. In fact, I, a couple of my I, I skipped very specifically. Uh, well, in fact, so I'm going to talk about 130 here in a minute. Look at the very beginning of 130. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. So I think in their worship, as they're singing these songs, like we do, we sing them corporately, but we are singing them to God. In other words, we're, we're asking him, we're, we're, uh, uh, you know, uh, making request of him. Mm-hmm. I think like what you said there, the idea of, you know, hoping for God's blessing and asking for God's blessing. But at the same time, part of why we do this, and this again is, is kind of, you know, people sometimes criticize that we sing the same songs and in, in worship and that kind of thing. But, when we are doing that, we're reminding ourselves of very important things, very important truths. Okay. And so I think, you know, and, and Paul says this, um, uh, you know, sing, sing to one another psalms and, and, and spiritual songs, you know, th- this idea of, of reminding one another of these deep spiritual truths. And so I think these particular times of the year, as they went up to Jerusalem, they were reminding one another of the reason we're going and, and uh, you know, that God's at the center of all of this and that, and that this is... Um, you know, this is what this is about. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've had that conversation many times that, yeah. you know, what we sing is so important because, Very you know, important. like, you, you know, the, the, the preacher or the evangelist or whoever, yeah. uh, you know, has that gifting is like, yes, the word needs to be preached in this way and so forth. But it's often the songs that we sing yeah. that get stuck in someone's, <laughs> that yeah. get stuck in someone's head. And, you know, if those, if, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I pay a lot of attention to the words that we're yeah. singing in a song. Like, and I think there's some, I mean, just as there's always been like worship songs that can go a little bit sideways on right. some things, but kind of going like making sure that what we're saying and what we're singing is, is accurate because it's, there's some hardcore discipleship happening in the words that yeah. we continue to repeat and and speak. I think that's so true, Ryan. And, and, and maybe worth us talking about sometime, but I think, I think you're absolutely right. Those repeated uh, you know, when we talked about worldview, we talked about those repeated stories, but often singing sticks in our heads. And I think that's the way with these psalms. These would have been remembered the same way we remember songs. I mean, you can probably recite more song lyrics for me than you can um, the number of 
you know, witty sayings that you've heard from, or, you know, profound sayings that you've heard from preachers through the years, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, we just read Psalm 121, the, the first two verses, yeah. like, I've got the song in my head. I remember yeah. singing, right. singing it and leading it a couple of times, like, I know that song. Well, and like you said, we've all gone away from uh, our a worship service, a corporate worship service where we're, you know, where the song keeps running through our head and maybe singing it, find yourself singing it the next day. Yep. I can remember my dad, uh, you know, of course he was a great example for me spiritually, but I can remember uh, him being working out around the farm where we lived and uh, he'd be whistling the songs that we sang on, you know, the hymns that we sang on Sunday morning as he worked. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you run those words over and over again in your head and they they remind you, and they become a part of of, of who you are. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was just at a coffee shop this morning with uh, yeah. the worship pastor at our church now, right? And we were just chatting, and we, we both both grew up in the church. And he mentioned this one song. He's like, "Oh, do you remember this song?" And it was like, "Coming to His presence with Thanksgiving in your heart." Your heart. And I'm like, "Give yeah. Him praise and give Him <laughs> give Him." And praise. I'm like, "I haven't right. sung that song in yeah. 25 years." Yeah, it, you know, maybe. Yeah, probably 25 years. And I'm like, but we could sing it. Like, we knew it, and we're both in there together at the same time. I'm like, oh, you know, there's these songs that we sing and we're repeated in the church I grew up in. Like, I know them. They're, like, ingrained in there. And and you think about – so I'm just going to mention two things. You think about that in regard to our our memorization of Scripture. And that's why I think Scripture songs are so important. In other words – songs that use the words of scripture and, and, uh, remind us of that. That's why I think it's, you know, where, where David talks about, uh, hiding the word, uh, hiding his word in our heart that we might not sin against him, against God, you know, that, that idea, um, you know, and that's why I think singing in this way could, could be an important, important aspect of that. So. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's, thanks. Thanks for answering that. I was just, yeah. I just wondered like if it was at a prayer or was it like <laughs> yeah. what, what, what we thought or the thought was, I know we can't know us precisely, yeah. um, but what, what their thoughts were is they where, yeah. how these uh, songs fit in with, with right. what they were thinking. So Psalm 130 is about forgiveness is kind of the next one I want to look at. Um, and I mentioned already the first verse out of my debts. I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. And so then he talks about forgiveness, but I also, as a Christian now, as you said, on on this side of of you know Jesus' uh, earthly ministry and his, his death, burial, and resurrection, thinking about the gospel, thinking about you know where you know uh, being followers of Christ now, I also see this idea of hope. You know, not only is there forgiveness of sins as they as they go up for these different feasts and the and the sacrifices that would have been a part of the worship there, but also this idea of looking forward to what God is going to do in His redemptive act is what I see here in this. Um, so, so let me let me read this. It says, um, "I'm just going to read the whole psalm." I think, and so kind of think about this theme of forgiveness and then looking forward to what God is going to do. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, how could I? Who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in His word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. 
So, you know, I love that image again, this idea of, you know, redemption often, this kind of language has to do with being redeemed from enemies, but he hears, he specifically in this context of worshiping and going up to the temple mentions, he will redeem Israel from all their sins. And so do you get that image of expectation? Yeah. You know, like a watchman waits for the morning. <laughs> yeah, that, I, well, it, it's interesting. It's in there twice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this, and, and I was just thinking about that, like the watchman waiting for the morning, like the anticipation of like, yeah. and, and I was, as you were just reading that, I was thinking about like, what would it be like for a watchman? Like, it, you know, his job is to watch. Right. And then as the morning comes, there's this re- like released, you know, yep. from some of that, you know, like yep. that I was just really interesting. I hadn't read it like that before. And as yeah. you're reading it to me, but yeah, that it, watchman waiting. It was interesting. You mentioned one of a person I know who is a listener I know as well, who has just uh, moved to a, to a mission area. And it's been interesting for me to watch uh, as, you know, his Facebook posts and his, his messages as, as they've done things like hire watchmen for their houses. And it kind of reminds me of when I lived in a, in a context, most of us don't live in a context where watchmen are a part of our daily lives. But, um, you know, he lives in a place where they have a night watchman and a day watchman. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting, interesting idea to, to watch that. I'm going to go back, since you mentioned that idea of the watchman, and, and I'm going to go back to that first, one of the first passages that we mentioned. Um, this is um, uh, Psalm uh, 121, I believe it is. Let me go let me make sure I'm doing this off the top of my head. Yeah, here it is. Um, so this is verse 3, Psalm 121, verse 3. We've mentioned this a couple times already. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. That's the image of a watchman again, right? Mm-hmm. Now now listen to the rest of this. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. And that's kind of the idea. So you you think you know the number one job description of a night watchman is don't fall asleep. Right? <laughs> yes, you will kind of, fail. <laughs> that's kind of the number one job requirement is that you stay awake all night, and uh, and, and so that's that kind of an image. You said as a, as a watchman waits for the morning. You know they're they're on guard. They're they're attentive, mm-hmm. but that image of God all the time, day and night. Sun and moon, right? All the time he's watching over you. And you think about how much superior he is to a human watchman who, you know, may fall asleep or may, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we may have trouble with, but instead, uh, you know, that's that's who he is. But it, I, I like that image. And since you mentioned that idea of the watchman, I thought I would I would throw that in. But yeah, anticipation, hope is what we see there. Uh, it's a it's a great, uh, great passage. Uh, we're we're kind of getting long here, but let me just look at maybe a couple more yeah. real quick. One of them is Psalm 133, and I like I want to explain this one. It's a short psalm, but it's kind of if we don't understand some of the context, it's kind of weird. Um, so the oil, an, oil on the head down the beard, <laughs> right? Classic. Yeah, you, yeah, you're a, you're a beard man, so you would understand these things. I just uh, had the oil I'm, just coming down the beard, bro. I'm, I'm a I'm clean shaven. So you want to go ahead and read verse three, or all three verses here of Psalm okay. one thirty three. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, 
a blessing, even life forevermore. Okay. So first line, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity is, is an important one. And again, think about this. You're going up together with other worshipers and you're singing this song together. You know, you're thinking mm-hmm. about the, the fact that you, you do have this in common. And, and I'll say, I guess I, you know, my commentary on this would be for us today as God's people, uh, we need to remember that the most important thing in our lives is is something that should unify us rather than divide us. And so, just just a, a call there. Mm-hmm. But then you mentioned this oil on the beard. What 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 do you tell me? What you think about this? So, who's Aaron? First of all, do you, do you remember who Aaron Moses is? Moses and Aaron. Yes. Okay, Moses and Aaron. So Aaron was the high priest. Yes. He was the beginning of the high priestly line. In fact, all the high priests had to descend. We call it the ironic, not ironic, but. Ironic <laughs> priesthood, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, sometimes it's ironic. Ironic, it's, yes, it's, it is. It's ironic. Um, so, so the high priests were descended from the line of Aaron. They were, of course, mm-hmm. both of them were Levites. Yep. And so, it, you know, and, and so one of the one of the roles that was anointed in the ancient world was the high priest. In, in other words, oil was poured over their head in order to set them apart for that position. And so it's that idea, again, how pleasant it is, and it's that idea of precious oil anointing Aaron, setting him apart, going down on the collar of his robe, kind of completely uh, inundating him, we might say, with this, um, I don't say this, this idea of uh, being set apart for God's purpose, just like his people are set apart for his purpose. And it's it's kind of the oil of the unity that... that, that um, you know, uh, that, that is good for our purpose as well. Uh, but this was also in the ancient world. This was, you know, this is something that would be a pleasant thing. Now, uh, you know, I don't think we could think, we certainly don't want to think motor oil and we probably don't want to even right. think, you know, thick vegetable oil, but this would have been a pleasant experience, a, a pleasant feeling. Um, and so that's, that's what I think is going on. Verse three then. So Herman is a mountain as well. It's in the very, northern part of this region, and it is the place where the headwaters of the Jordan River come from. Now, here's the really cool thing about this image is, did you ever get to see, you probably didn't get to see Mount Hermon when you were, uh, when you I were, did not. And, and again, you don't, when you're in Israel, you don't think about this a lot. We happen to be there on a very clear day. You normally can't see this, but we could see Mount Hermon off in the distance you don't think about this, but the interesting thing about Mount Hermon is there was there's snow on it. It's a high enough mountain that there's snow. We don't often associate snow with with Israel, right? But that's that's where the right the water comes from. Is it melts this this snow cap on Mount Hermon melts, and that becomes the streams that feed uh, uh, the Jordan River. And of course, the Jordan River goes all the way down to the, as we mentioned before, the Dead Sea. It goes through this this whole area. It would have been one not too far from Jerusalem. Uh, for example, when John the Baptist was baptizing the Jordan Jordan River, people would go out the few miles it was in order to be baptized by him in the Jordan uh, River. And, and so that that idea, the dew of Hermon, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now, Mount uh, Zion, this this region. Is is a place where there is as we we talked about before. There's a dry season and a wet season. Mm-hmm. So during the wet season, during the winter, the rains come. But during the summer, when it's hot and it's dry and arid, mm-hmm. so the psalmist here is imagining what would it be like if if this dew of Hermon 
we're falling on Mount Zion. That's that's what that's the pleasantness. That's the that's what it's like when God's people dwell in unity. It's this idea of um, refreshment. It's this idea of you know the cool. You think again about the snow. You know the cool rains falling on an arid region. That's what it's like when God's people live in unity and and can be a blessing uh, toward one another and toward other people around us. When we live together in unity is kind of the 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 idea there. Well, that's thoughts cool. on that. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm glad you explained some of that stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I knew about the anointing the head of the oil. I didn't know about the the dew of Hermon and you know, yeah. maybe what some of those thoughts were, but I think it's, again, it's that cultural context, like yeah. how often do we talk about Mount Hermon? And that's why I wanted to make sure to talk about that <laughs> In our sermons, or anywhere, you know what I mean? Like, I, you right. know, you read this and you're like, oh, it means something good, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> you just kind of skip over it. So Psalm well, I don't skip it, I mean, I read the word, but... Yeah. yeah Psalm whatever. 134 is the last of these psalms, and it, it's just, I, I would say it ends on a note of praise. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Uh, this is a song too, right? We've done in, in, mm-hmm. in modern in modern times, but this may be more, more modern for me than for you. But uh, this idea of ministering at night in the house of the Lord, being there all the time, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. Very short psalm there, but it ends on this note of praise. And again, you can imagine these jur- these journeyers coming up and, just giving praise to God. That's why they were gathering. That's why they were coming together in order to give praise to God. So any thoughts overall on this, on these uh, um, Psalms or what we've talked about today? Yeah. I mean, and and I know a lot of the Psalms are like this way, but I'm, you know, I'm seeing as we go back through this, some of the um, let all the servants, like there's this and the unity, like these are songs for a group of people, not even just an individual. Like there's this, there's a very much a corporate nature, corporate worship. Yeah. Corporate worship to this, um, you know, cause it's like, praise Lord, all you servants, you know, and like there's, it's coming back to like all of Zion living in unity, you know, like there's, there's this language of corporateness to it and, uh, unity of all coming to the house of the Lord. Yeah. That's a great, so that's I a think great that's, observation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just thought, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that was interesting to me. You know, Psalm 128, blessed are all who fear the Lord. You know, it's, I, I right. mean, I know there's other parts in Psalms that say that, but just kind of pack, yeah. packaging that together, that, that call to unity is a corporate Well, corporate I would just worship. point out that there are, there are some Psalms that are more individual. You know, I'm thinking about Psalm mm-hmm. 51, for example, or, you know, where we're just talking about, I was aware of my sin, you know, it's much more of a, of a personal, but yeah, it, it's corporate. It's, uh, it's this idea of um, worshiping together. And I would say worshiping together is one of the ways that we can be united. And one of the important things about, about corporate worship. Um, it's kind of, you know, it, the past couple of years, you mentioned COVID earlier. There's a, for many of us, there was at least a short period of time where we couldn't meet together, um, which, you know, again, when that happened, there were many people saying, oh, you know, it's, I can't wait until we can, you know, when can we, when we can, can we begin to gather again? And uh, there was that kind of excitement that I talked about of, of being able to be together and fellowship is something that people mentioned that they missed, not only the, the singing praises to God together, hearing the word together, but also just sharing in one another's lives in a, in a very meaningful way. Um, but again, it, very quickly, we can fall into this habit of, taking those things for granted if we're not careful. 
Uh, I think again, some of these some of these psalms might remind us. I, I even wondered, I and I kind of posed this to the the people in my congregation. Uh, if God called us to 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 leave our our lives for a week, make a several days journey up to Jerusalem just for the purpose several times a year, three times a year of worshiping Him, would we do it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, would we would we take time out of our lives in order to do it? But what that does is that reminds them, hey, you know what's really important is not it's not my work, uh, it's not my home. What's really important to me is is God. He is really the one who's central to my life, and uh, you know I think it, it 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 it's something that God's people need to constantly be reminded of and and remember not to take for granted. So, are you saying that we should go to churches that are far away from our house so we can prepare? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we should we should at least go the 15 minutes to the to the church that we that we attend instead of going. Uh, feel like it today right obviously so. yeah but you know if it's you know it's a couple hours away you can really prepare yourself <laughs> well on the way yeah fair, yeah fair point. you remember why am i going um right. yeah but i you know i think that's really interesting again uh, this, uh, just as we've had this conversation thinking about that there is there's something about preparing ourselves for yeah. worship as well yeah. like there's this um you know i think and, and i've been guilty of this and there are days i can tell i've not prepared myself in any way and right. I just show up to church, and I'm just like, bah. you know what I mean? Right. I'm like, wh- right. why Why do I not feel this way? You know, there's been no preparing myself, you know, as we talk about the people around the world who don't have that opportunity right. and hear that we right. waste it sometimes. But it's yeah. just like, you know, the, 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 the we can learn from this ancient worship, like yeah. in preparing our hearts to be in unity and to come to worship together yeah. to the house of the Lord. When you think about other cultures as well, I'm just thinking about cultures that I've, where I've been to their worship services at last hours and and all night maybe and you know us hey it's 1105 you know i'm ready to head to bonanza you know so that kind of thing so. <laughs> that was like 20 years ago because i'm not sure there's a lot of bonanzas left <laughs> brian hey there's got to be bonanzas out there someplace right so really i'm not sure anyway even the one in <laughs> okay. lincoln even the one in lincoln illinois has closed point, so you know bonanzas are that may be the, the, la- the last the la- <laughs> it's like the last uh See our uh, other, see our other podcast, Ryan and Brian's other podcast, the last bonanza, the last oh. bonanza. Oh my god, it's like the lack, the last blockbuster. But exactly, it's the lack, that's what I'm thinking. We've got, we got another side hustle, and then there, we're doing so. another one. It's called the last Ponderosa. We're going to find it in the country because <laughs> they all slowly close. All right. Well, Brian, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> we're signing off. Right? Yeah. Yes. Well, Brian, Very thank good. you so much for for walking us through some scripture and looking at these songs of ascent and. Uh, helping us kind of understand what some of that some of that language is and and what it means for us today as a corporate body as as All worshipers. Right. Yeah, good to see you today, Ryan. It's always yep. good to be in the bistro. Oh yeah, take care. All right, bye. bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are talking about Jesus. Yay! <laughs> a couple episodes back, we talked about the theology of God, and in this upcoming episode, we are talking about the theology of Jesus. Of course, in a single podcast episode, we can only cover so much ground, but it's definitely an interesting conversation, and we hope you will join us for that. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebeaster.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch, but also to get our instructional video on how to use the free online resource, The Blue Letter Bible. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, 
Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.